0: Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
1: Hello, I'm Harriet Winter, and this is the Badass Women's Hour. This week on the show, I'll be interviewing the CEO of the Susie Lamplow Foundation, I'm talking about missing women and women being abducted and so I'm putting a little trigger warning out there that it's not the cheeriest of shows this week but it is really important so if you're feeling maybe a little bit sensitive or you have been surrounded by a lot of that news this week then maybe this is one for another time but also if you want to think about some of the things we've been seeing in the news and think about maybe how we tackle some of those then I do urge you to keep listening. And also answering one woman's query about being too tired to challenge. And oh, do I feel her. This week has been International Women's Day, but strangely enough, I haven't felt massively celebratory. And I think that's because my social media timeline this week has been filled with the disappearance of a young woman. So Sarah Everard is a 33-year-old woman working in media and living really just down the road from me and it turns out we have friends in common, lots of friends in common in fact. I know this because increasingly I saw their pleas for information across my Twitter and Instagram. I shared her picture and added to the request for information, and the noise around her grew and grew, and yet she hasn't been found, and there is still no update on her whereabouts, or to say at the time I'm recording this, she hasn't been found. And I guess part of me really hopes obviously that by the time you listen to this that she has been found but another part of me sort of doesn't because too often these stories don't end well and so when I asked myself the other day why I am obsessively reading the news about her and why I'm constantly waiting for an update two things really struck me so the first is that I, I just assume now that any news about her won't be good there is no reason for me to have seen this. I don't have any insider information. I don't know anything that the police know. I don't know anything that the police don't know. But when somebody asked me about it and what I thought was going to happen and why I thought there wouldn't be any good news, I found myself replying, "Well, that's just the way it is." And it really struck me because recently I came across this piece on Instagram about the phrase "That's just the way it is" and how. Often it is what it is or that's just the way it is, is our ingrained way of dealing with trauma. So it's actually a trauma response. So we've become so used to dealing with a set of circumstances that are traumatic that in order to not feel anything about them anymore, we take them and make them the norm. So we take what is a traumatic experience and we make it the norm in our world because it means that we won't be shocked. We won't have to deal with the fear or the feeling of anxiety or the feelings of sadness that come with that experience. Instead, we just normalize it and accept it as part of our day-to-day lives. It's really saddening to me that that is a fact and that's a behavior that we have around the news of a woman disappearing. And yet, It is, right? And it's not the same for men. Men haven't had been brought up with this experience that actually, as a woman, you have to walk down the street with your keys out after dark. You have to plot your route so that you are not walking down dark streets. You have to tell people where you're going and when you will get there. And that if you don't do those things, and if you disappear, there is no coming back from that. So yes, I was just really struck by the fact that my response to it is that's just how it is. And the second thing that struck me was that perhaps my social media was flooded with pictures of her because she is just like me Um, and I am just like so many of the other women I follow and we all see ourselves in her and we don't want to believe it's possible for one of us to just disappear. And that one of us thing is really important because today on Twitter, somebody shared with me the image of a 13-year-old black boy who also disappeared on Wednesday last week and who hasn't been featured on the news at all and whose image I had not seen at all until today. And this isn't me saying that we shouldn't be trying to find Sarah Everard and we shouldn't be sharing her picture widely and we shouldn't be doing everything we can to bring her home. It's not a one or the other. We don't have to choose. But while we share the image of the woman who's just like us, we should also be sharing the image of Kieran Campbell too. My interviewee this week is Suki Baker, CEO of the Susie Lamplow Foundation. So Susie is actually a woman who went missing in the 80s. She was later found murdered and her mother set up the charity to support the families of other young girls who had been stalked or abducted or who had been killed by men. And so in this interview, we talk about the rise in stalking over lockdown, uh, how we can address it and why the law needs to change. And it's not an easy listen because there are some pretty grim stats in there, but she makes some really interesting points around how women can protect themselves and also what we can be looking out for. This is the Badass Women's Hour podcast. Hi, Suki. Hello, thank you for having us. And oh, no, thank you. So new data has shown that in the past year, 100% of stalking cases have reported a cyber stalking element. What does that mean?
2: That's right. We we have seen a huge, uh, huge spike not just in stalking cases but in cyber stalking cases. Mm. So these are these are cases where the individual is being um, monitored, um, tracked, harassed um, uh, online. So this could be through email, through their social media accounts, or where spyware has been used to to, to monitor, to, to watch, or, or to track. Um, uh, the victim to carry out that sort of fixated and obsessive behaviour. What I would say, though, stalking is stalking is, is very much um, a crime of fixation and obsession. It's about persistent unwanted behaviour. And, and of those cases, the majority of those are still actually still seeing uh, an offline element of stalking as well, mm. uh, despite, despite the lockdown. Uh, so we're seeing um, behaviours such as um, loitering and, and following uh, still being carried out. Perpetrators are very much um, weaponized. Uh, the pandemic. They're using things like um, the, the, the daily exercise and as an excuse uh, to to contact the victim, um, and that's incredibly terrifying for the victim because victims are essentially telling us that they're feeling like sitting ducks at the moment in in lockdown.
1: Is this um, is this a crime that mainly affects women or men and women equally?
2: This is a gender-based crime, so
1: uh, 80%
2: of of callers to our helpline, the National Stalking Helpline, um, are women. Women are disproportionately um, uh, affected um, by this crime. So approximately one in five women and one in ten men will experience this crime over over their lifetime.
1: And what happens when they report it? Do the police take action or does something actually, I don't want to say serious, but does something physically violent have to happen before police can step in?
2: Absolutely not. Um, The legislation which we helped to campaign to bring in 2012 very much looked at the psychological factors that um, are are intertwined within stalking Um, and um, that doesn't need to include physical contact behaviours. Unfortunately, we do see physically abusive behaviour taking place in stalking cases, including um, uh, things like sexual violence um, taking place. Um, But you don't need to have physical contact behaviours taking place for the police to take Action
1: and how has we know that there's you know an in-person element, but how has the internet helped stalkers for sort of helped is the right word, but how has it enabled stalkers? Well, there is obviously a, a, a much greater ease and
2: accessibility to, to victims um, um, online. Um, we know that. Perpetrators tend to go um, where their victims are. So if that that might be in in their workplace, that might be where they are out and about socialising. And what's happened during the pandemic is we're obviously all doing those things a lot more online, mm. and so it makes sense that this this is where we're seeing those behaviours increasing in those um, in those
1: same spaces. And are do people who are being stalked generally know their stalker? It's it's a. Um, it's a combination. Um,
2: so 50% of individuals who, who are being stalked are actually being stalked by an ex-intimate partner. So, um, they may also be experiencing or have had experienced, um, domestic abuse. A small volume um, of individuals who are being stalked have been stalked by strangers, so somebody who, who they, they won't have known. But the majority of individuals are being stalked by someone um, someone they know It might be an acquaintance. Even in those stranger-stalking cases, it may just be the fact that the individual doesn't know who the stalker is at that, at that point that the behaviours yeah. have begun, but there has, in fact, been a connection between them and the stalker at some point uh, in their history.
1: What what do you think fuels that kind of obsessive behaviour? What is it in somebody's brain that makes them feel this is the way to somebody's, I don't know, accessibility to somebody?
2: Um... Well, it's, it's an interesting question because actually um, stalking has, is motivated by different things, mm. for different sort of typologies. So some, some individuals are motivated by uh, revenge. Some are, are motivated for, by a desire for, for a relationship. Um, but in fact, what we see very often is that this is actually about a, a power uh, and, a, and a control um, over, over the victim, um, but for a small minority of stalkers, they may not see their behaviour as inappropriate, so they may not actually yeah. think that that un- unwanted contact is, is inappropriate, but unfortunately for a large volume of them, it's, it's about a power and control.
1: And one of the things that was really interesting in your research was you say that in the last, since March last year, so in the last year, the people who are calling the stalking helpline and reporting these incidents are suffering a much higher level of distress. Is that because we're all in a higher level of stress right now anyway, or actually is it the fact that people have more time Mm. on their hands, so more time to dedicate to stalking? What's causing that? Well we know
2: that for stalking victims anyway the trauma that they experience is is immense if you think about the the sort of omnipresence of that a stalker can can um create around the victim infiltrating every facet of their life um it victims tell us that they experience things like hypersensitivity hypervigilance anxiety depression um, what the pandemic has done is very much um, magnified all of those things because our, the, our sense of isolation has been magnified during um, during lockdown. And you're right; our surveys actually show that 91% of victims who have been stalked are experiencing um, mental health um, problems, and in fact, 78% of them are experiencing symptoms that are consistent with PTSD. Wow. But very often, that that isn't being um, um, being picked up.
1: I know that it shouldn't be this way around. It should be that, you know, the question is what can we do to stop stalking for good? But in the meantime, while we deal with that, what can people do to keep themselves safe and particularly keep themselves safe online?
2: Um, there's, there's, there's a number of things that individuals can do can do i mean in terms of online safety there's some really um basic things such as looking at your security settings and your privacy settings ensuring um sort you've got robust passwords in place um but more generally what we would advise someone is that if you think you're being stalked um, try not to if you can respond to your stalker. Um, Stalking is very much about a pattern of behaviour. So sometimes those individual um, isolated incidents might look low level, so that email or that call um, or that person standing outside your home. But it's the context of all of those behaviours together that really builds that pattern. And that's why it's really important, particularly in terms of prosecution, if you can, to keep a diary of everything that's happening and any evidence that you might have, including the impact that it's having on you so we can see the totality of that of that context and really trust your instinct if you feel something is wrong um tell someone because stalking is a crime Mm. and you have the right to to report that to the police and for it to be investigated and then what i'd say is that there are also specialist services like ours the national stalking helpline available um, to individuals to get to get help we we not only offer advice through the health plan, but we have a specialised um, advocacy service as well for individuals who might want more in-depth support. And you may also be eligible for a specialist trauma support as well through through our service. And, and what I'd also say, I know there's some individuals out there who might not be ready to make a call or might not be mm. able to make a call during lockdown. You might not be able to physically make a, a call. We, we have an online tool that's available for victims um, to be um, able to access, to see if um, if they think they're being stalked, they can identify that and they can download information um, and support um, through that tool as well.
1: Thank you so much for sharing that with us, Susie. And you know, the work that the Susie Lamplow Trust do is absolutely Absolutely incredible. So um, you can find them online at live underscore life underscore safe. That's Susie Baker, their CEO of the Susie Lamplow Trust, talking about why the instances of stalking, and particularly cyber stalking, have gone up so dramatically during lockdown. She said just simply the fact that those victims have now become sitting ducks, that somebody knows where they are at all times, that somebody... Is capable of weaponizing the hour a day they have to go and exercise against them and who can keep them trapped in their own houses. They don't even need a government mandate to do that. That was Suki Baker from the Susie Lamplow Foundation. So this week also saw. So-
2: when you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring.
1: International Women's Day, as I said at the start, and the International Women's Day slogan this year is choose to challenge. Now, I always find it completely hilarious that every International Women's Day, there is some sort of slightly uh, kind of very go girls slogan, which really doesn't mean very much. So it's always very, very vague. So it's like choose to challenge, but we're not going to tell you what to challenge just in case any of the men listening get a bit scared. It's always like, yeah, go girls, girl power, but there's no they never put actually what you should be challenging or they never say what's actually wrong. Anyway, that's just my, I I just find the slogans on International Women's Day somewhat ridiculous, but that's by the by. So it turns out that this week, uh, a listener also found the slogan a little bit too much. So they wrote, I know I should be choosing to challenge, but I am just too tired. Can I leave it up to the next generation already? Well, first of all, I think we're all too tired to challenge this year, really, aren't we? We've all had a very long year. We're all in desperate need of a holiday that we can't quite take yet. And so feeling too tired right now is not a flaw. It is a reality for all of us. And I have said this on the podcast before. If there is any way that you can find to take a rest and a break right now, now is the time to do it. Like, give yourself some time off. Take yourself away from social media. Take yourself away from the news for a bit keep yourself out of a place where you're going to be constantly, I guess, constantly exposed to levels of trauma and sadness and upset. I haven't talked about it on this podcast because I think we've all talked about it a bit too much, but I actually got to a point where I've had to switch off all the stuff about Harry and Megan because it's just too much now. And it's too, it, it's having too strong an impact on me. So I need to turn it off. And I think of what we're saying is actually, I don't think, and you can correct me if I'm wrong listener, but I don't think what you're saying is, I can't be asked to choose to challenge and therefore the world can just stay the same. I think what you're saying is, I've done the challenging and I haven't really got as far as I wanted to and I'm a bit over it. And oh, do I hear you. And I remember when I started writing about women and started writing about feminism All of these women in their 40s and 50s being like, "Uh uh-huh, yeah, enjoy that, darling. Enjoy the time you spend doing that and come see us when you're our age and nothing much has changed and you're still completely knackered. And the reality is that things have changed, right? In the last 10 years, things have absolutely changed for women. In the last two years, things have changed for women. In the last year, things have changed for women, maybe not in the right direction, but things have changed, but they don't change fast enough, for us. So we feel frustrated by it. And that frustration is a bit you kind of have to honor now. You have to say, This is what I'm frustrated about, this is what I'm sad about, this is what is I feel unfair, this is making me angry. Like express the emotions and then give yourself the space to take a break and take a bit of time off. And then when you come back to it, you can ask yourself, how much of these things do I still really care about? Or perhaps are there other things that I also feel that level of passion and frustration around that I would want to put my attention onto as well because the great thing about women is that we are constantly coming through the generations and each generation after us gets louder and more provocative and that is an amazing gift that we have all passed on to the generation below us and that we continue to pass on to the generation below us does that make sense each generation passing on to the next generation that's what I'm trying to get at and so we have amazing young women who are really challenging everything they see around them, who have that energy and fight. And so part of me says, yeah, if you want to leave some of this to the young women, you can, that's okay. Because you might find that there are other things that those women are not yet aware of that right now are more important for you. And if you have that urge to make the world a better place, you've got to find the right place for you to put that energy. And maybe right now it's not the gender pay gap or it's not ensuring that women have free access to tampons. Those are important things, but maybe they're not the things for you right now. Maybe it's about housing or maybe it's about food security or maybe it's about a universal wage for all. Find the thing you care about and put your energy there because when you do, it will give back to you as well. And Sophie Walker talks about this really eloquently in her book, Five Rules for Rebellion. And she says that actually, you know, there comes a point when actually to be an activist, you have to step back and look after yourself for a bit. And so if that's what you need to do right now, that is okay. The fight, unfortunately, will still be there when you come back. And you're right. It's okay to pass it on to the next generation because we've raised them to be amazing. And they are, and they've got this. That's all for this week. If you've enjoyed the show, then you'll enjoy me on social media too at Harriet Minter, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all socials. And just a reminder that my book, WFH, How to Build a Career You Love When You're Not in the Office, is out now. Yes, it's out. So you can go and buy it and well, um, not physically pick it up in your hands because we're not doing that right now, but buy it and have it delivered the next day. Yes. Please do go grab a copy if you think you would like some of my wisdom on working from home. I promise it's really good. Honestly, it's had great reviews. That's all, but please do rate, review, subscribe to the podcast. It helps other people find us. And I'll be here with more news and views next week. You've been listening to Badass Women's Hour. If you like the show, then help more people find us. You can tag us or talk to us on social media using at badasswomenshour. Or you can be really lovely and leave us a review and a rating. Five stars, please. It helps boost us up the podcast rankings and allows other people to find us. We'll be back next week with more Badass guests and in-depth chat.
0: Selling a little or a lot?